Welcome to the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy. We are your hosts of the Meaning Academy podcast, Dr. Daniel Franz and Dr. Baruch Halevi. In this podcast, we explore the insights and inspiration of Dr. Victor Frankel and all things meaning, purpose, and resilience. Thanks for joining us. And now let's begin our search for meaning. Hello and welcome to the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy podcast. I am your host, one of your hosts, Dr. Daniel A. Franz, with my good friend and confidant and fellow founder of the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy, Dr. Baruch Halevi B. How are you doing, my brother? It's been a while. It's been at least 24 hours since we last chatted. Hey, brother. Good to see you. I like casual Fridays. You look good. Thank Whoa, whoa. We're starting this. Stop recording. Rewind. Start over. What just happened? Faithful listeners of the podcast probably have fallen out of their chairs. Running man tripped and is in the grass somewhere. Did you just compliment my attire? I did because you're not wearing your cardigan. So, you know, that's part of the deal. If you wear it, it's your game. Running man told me I should go after you when you're wearing the cardigan. So I do. As you know, uh, for the, for those listeners that don't realize this, B and the running man both convinced me to uh, seek out a new corporate sponsor. That's right. I've invested in untuckets uh so uh according to running man and be so untuck it if you're listening uh we all wear your stuff we would love you as a sponsor of the victor frankel meaning academy uh they are in the wash right now b so next podcast i will be wearing that's right an untuck it well they reached out to me and i said they can't sponsor us until they're certain you're not going back to those cardigans so <laughs> i can't win man i can't win <laughs> So, uh, so you're doing well in good humor, uh, and that's always good to know. Um, I know we've we've dealt with some some trying times lately, B. Um, you know the, the work we're doing at the Victor Frankel Media Academy. I mean, you and Elise and I are really hitting it hard. For those of you listening, I'm sure you've seen our advertisements, our Facebook posts, our LinkedIn posts. We're preparing for an informational webinar to uh, let you know about your search for meaning. Um, the upcoming course that we'll be offering, but also along with that, the hard work we've been doing. I know um, the world's been in some trying times, and for for you and and your culture specifically, Jewish people, um, it's been a rough few weeks. How are you doing? Well, thank you for asking. Um, yeah, it's definitely been preoccupying to say the least. Not what happened on October seventh, the uh, what I've heard referred to as the Hamas Holocaust, but. Um, I mean, that is, of course, but it's for as a Jew, at least the Jew in the diaspora in America, it's what's ever happened on October 8th and since, which is the it, it's not fair to call it pro-Palestinian rallies because that's not what they are. I'm pro-Palestinian, but these are pro-Hamas rallies and seeing the groundswell of support for Hamas and, uh, you know, a recognized terrorist organization. Um, praise for the atrocities of October 7th and the lack of um, condemnation by institutions, you know, mainstream institutions from uh, college universities, Ivy League universities to, you know, the UN, which is not really surprising as an Israeli and Jew, but just across the board, that's been shocking. It's been really hard pill to swallow, and it's brought up a lot of, a lot of fear for a lot of Jewish people I know. 
Yeah, interestingly, I was just speaking to a, a college professor yesterday, a professor of actually religious studies, and, and the fine line he has to walk in, in talking to his students about this, um, but also the fear, um, the fear, the anxiety he encounters by having to consume um, so much media, difficult media, uh, I, I can't even define it, just hard to fathom media um, siding with with terror and the fear that that generates for him and the fear that I think we all see. So that was what you and I talked about addressing today. I mean, we can talk about it specifically as it comes to this event in history, this uh, Holocaust of Hamas, as you said, um, but also fear in general. We live, we live in, you know, some of the most productive, um, some of the most wealthy, rich, safe times in the history of the world. However, I believe, and I think you and I would agree on this, fear and anxiety are two of the most prominent emotions people are dealing with, especially of late. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, just to broaden the, the sort of the scope, this isn't really about October 7th. This isn't particular to the Jewish people, although, you know, it has certainly triggered something primal and deep um, that's always been there, that's been dormant. I think Jews have lived closer to the surface of those fears. We could talk about that. But I think our the West in general and Americans, you know, probably the vast majority of our audience, North Americans in particular, are dealing with new levels of fear um, in no small measure because I think the illusion of our safety and our security has come crumbling, tumbling down, particularly since COVID. And I think oh. that was the, the catalyst. I think that was the trigger event for challenging our assumptions or our illusions of this perceived invulnerability or invincibility or, or you know, safety. And a lot of people for the past three, four years have been, I think, awoken to something new. Yeah, it's interesting. We we often uh, convince ourselves we are invincible, that we live in these times of, of freedom and and openness. And if you're if you study any bit of history going a hundred years back or further into ancient history, um <laughs> humankind just hasn't really been that safe. Uh as as uh, we've talked before in the running man knows um i've been <laughs> i've been binge watching a show called the last kingdom lately vikings and barbarians right only about a thousand years ago and just the way human beings were treated back then death could have been around any quarter and there was no no uh, no concern for human life and i feel as though it's only been a, a few hundred years that we started to have this empathy, this concern for human life. But even today, that doesn't always exist in all corners of the world, as we saw um, with with recent events. And so this resurgence of fear or maybe maybe concern. I don't know. What is it? Anxiety? Is it fear? Is it concern? Is it just awakening to the brutality, the the suffering of the human condition? I think there's a lot of arrogance um, in our Western, you know, modern mindset that we're further along the path because chronologically and and technologically and all these things. And then the October 7th barbarism happens and you realize like, 
nothing has changed. Now, you know, the way we deal with it, the way we address it, what we allow for, but but the the primal urge, the primal human nature hasn't changed. Because if it had, then you couldn't have something like October 7th. But October 7th feels like, and I know I haven't seen The Last Kingdom, but I, I know the premise, right? It feels like that. Like we're mm -hmm. just one, like one thing away from that. In fact, I, I remember this awakening in me when I was in Boston, maybe 15 years ago, and there was a hurricane, I think it was, and power went out or something for like 24 hours and there was already almost a mutiny on hand. People were fighting at the supermarkets within 24 hours. I think it was, I don't know if it was Jordan Peterson or somebody said, we're only ever four missed meals away from riots. Four. I mean, that's that's just damn near embarrassing to think about. Four missed meals from riots. I mean, I, I think, I don't know about you, B, but there are some days I feel I could go with four missed meals and uh, be quite all right. But, uh, you know, that that's interesting that, you know, whoever said it and events of recent history, whether it was, you know, most recently, it seems as though every few years we have some brutal uh, near genocidal events. And, and the idea that, as you said, there's some arrogance that, as though we're just more evolved here in the States. The, the events of September 11th, 2001 certainly helps us to realize we're not invulnerable as, as devastating and horrible as those were. But this idea, I mean, we're talking about fear here and modern events certainly lead us to to have cause for fear or anxiety what is it what is fear and what do we do about it in the terms of frankly in psychology logotherapy the psychology of meaning yeah just one last idea on that and that is i think one of the things COVID had in common with october 7th and hamas is that we had you know israelis were kind of under an illusion that if they withdrew from Gaza, which they did in 2006, you can learn more about that on our one of our previous podcasts. Um, and if it's quiet, and if we're all going along with our business, you know, as usual, everything's fine. And then it erupts and you realize just how close you are. I think it was um, a book I read a long time ago called uh, by Milan Kundera called The Unbearable Lightness of Being, mm. right? There's just like this unbearable lightness, like we're just so close to the edge sometimes and we forget that and, and COVID did the same thing a little virus put the world on hold a little like nothing it was a nothing it was a it was an amped up flu and it took down society and like that's when you're hum you're just humbled by how much advance have we really made yeah going back to that idea of COVID I mean people were literally hoarding toilet paper right? right i mean you you remember the stories of just empty i remember seeing supermarkets of empty shelves of of just daily household things for for no good reason this idea that we're just a step away of returning a step away from returning to to being savages it's it's sad to realize that this idea going back to the unbearable likeness of being isn't that what we want though don't we want this just to go through life feeling like hey everything's groovy the day is good no tension, no stress. Isn't that what we need, what we want, what we're seeking? I think that's partially what we're waking up to is we've created all of these systems and structures to get us to, as Frankel calls, the um, equilibrium, right? This sort of status quo, no tension state, tensionless state. 
and we we've everything we do everything around us our society really tries to lull us into this place and then you have these eruptions and that's when that you know you ask the question what is fear and i think it's for me it's the realization that these are illusions and where i'm going to die you know like i have those moments like three in the morning where like holy shit I'm going to die. Like, this is not a game. I'm going to have to say goodbye to every single person I love, my wife, my children, my good friend, Dr. Dan. There will come a time when I have to say goodbye forever. Now, I do believe in the next life, but that doesn't always bring me, uh, that doesn't always quell the fear at three in the morning when I have this real, this aha. Well, what the the hell? Like, for, I've been alive for 51 years. Why is this news? Because there's something, a trigger event or something happens or I'm vulnerable in bed at night and I remember the truth, right? And the truth is the unbearable lightness of being. And those those moments, I think, just shatter the illusion. Yeah. So much goodness in that be. I mean, so many things I want to address, but you're right. It's ironic. I, I had about the same thought about 2 or 3 a.m. when the dogs woke me up and I'm like, uh, thinking about the the podcast for today and you saying you know let's talk about fear because it's definitely a current event like that hit me as well it's always it always seems to be the small hours of the morning two or three a.m where you wake up you let the dogs out maybe take care of some of your own biological business and you go oh oh uh-oh yeah if i don't if if i start thinking yeah i'm gonna die death is coming sooner or later and uh realizing that that's not pleasant at two or three in the morning um so that's definitely something to deal with you know uh, while listening to the uh, uh, Meaning Academy podcast and, and coming to this point of saying, I'm going to die. What do I want to do about it? Do I want to live in fear? Do I want to live in anxiety? Do I want to worry about that? Or do I want to be able to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and go, I'm going to die. And thank goodness I've created amazing relationships like this one with my good friend, Dr. Rabbi V and the running man and all the other listeners out there. Uh, you know, you know who you are. I'm, I'm talking to you and, and those that listen to us like, thank you. Right. Because you've made our lives meaningful. But what else? What should what else should we be doing out there? No, uh, I'll go back to to live meaningfully and to deal with fear. But before we do be, I do want to point out, I'm sorry, uh, according to the psychology or the history of psychology, it wasn't Dr. Frankel that said we're looking for this tensionless state. In fact, he railed against that. He he said, Freud, told us to seek equilibrium he said no no we don't want equilibrium we need we need that healthy existential tension so maybe that's the answer to the question of fear well I, yeah yes and um here here's an anecdote i, I don't want to go to you know once you start saying freud that means we got to bring it back to uh reality um well you know b i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it here it comes tell me about your mother and your father b I told you, it always freaks me out and I have flashbacks to like uh, my people being rounded up. So don't do that. Yeah, I'm so uh, sorry. That was not the intent. And actually, we know that Freud was actually a Victorian Vienna. Actually, late I, think of, I actually, what makes me think of is Hogan's Heroes and uh, <laughs> uh, Mr. Plink. I think it was, you know, I, I got to tell you, B, I, I believe our brand of humor is a good anecdote to fear, right? I mean, if, if Peterson says, weapon of the soul, the brother, it's a weapon of the soul. There we go. Um, so here's an anecdote um, just happened. My son is leading the charge on giving voice to October 7th uh, at the University of Colorado Boulder. And he received uh, one personal death threat and then one collective death threat. And, you know, like I say it almost casually, but like I didn't receive any death threats when I was in college. Right. So he's, you know, the police checked it out. 
probably was not a credible source, but nonetheless, certainly gave him pause. And definitely, I would say as an understatement, um, gave his mother more than pause. She wanted him, she basically was going to draft up like a legal letter saying cease and desist, right? Stop it, Yuda. His name is Yuda. Stop. To, to get your out son. of here. Yeah. Get, you know, you are no longer leading this charge because I don't want my baby boy to get hurt. I get that sentiment. I don't want my baby boy to get hurt either. And he calls me and he calls me Abba, dad. And he says, Abba, what do I do? Mimi's scared. And, you know, like I, I'm scared too, but I just don't know. And I said, look, I don't say this casually. You're my kid, but we're all going to die. We are going to die. And God forbid you die before me. But if you're going to die, at least you die standing in truth and not fear. And whether it's this or whether it's whatever's next, you must not live in fear. And so he continued on, but it was like, it hit me. Like that is a message that so few of us are getting and so many of us need right now. That message being, we should not live in fear. Not live in fear. And here's something else um, that just irks. It just rubs against my soul the wrong way. We believe that safety and security is our goal, right? People say this all the time. Like, you know, I just want you to be, be safe. I say this to parents whose kids are 16 years old. If you want your kid to be safe, then don't let them get a license. But you do let them get a license because you safety is not your number one value. It's up there. It's not number one. Because if it was, not only would you not let them get a driver's license, you wouldn't let them leave the house. You wouldn't even let them be around sharp objects or, you know, water sources. You would lock them in their room. Like, safety isn't the, the goal. And we forget that. I remember having those internal battles with myself as my girls matured and not wanting them out of the house, not wanting them near a boy, much less dating a boy, driving, et cetera. And, and that's a hard battle. We have to allow our children to grow up. And in a way, we need to grow up as a society that you're right. We need to dance on the edge of fear and progress and moving forward and safety or comfort, right? Uh, as, as I've said to many a client, human beings do not change. We do not grow or evolve when we're comfortable. It takes us to be uncomfortable to, to do great things. And, and when I saw, I believe it was you, thank you for sharing the, uh, the, the, the image of your son leading this, this rally. I'm not sure what to call it, but just sharing his views in such a powerful way. It was truly like, I, I felt vicariously, vicariously honored to know him through you and to know, uh, what an amazing young man you've raised. It was truly a beautiful thing. That is a human being living living a life without fear, living on the edge of, of growth and evolution and not cowering from the difficulties life is throwing his way. Yeah, and not living without fear, but you know, as the, the old saying goes, feeling the fear and doing it anyways, because he is afraid. He's just not making it the number one value to be safe, secure, or um, you know, to avoid fear. And the other thing with Yuda is that, you know, he's 21. He would be in the IDF right now. We left five years ago, right before his military service. Not because of that, but I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that we were thrilled that he wasn't in Gaza right now. I'm thrilled he's not in Gaza. But he he grapples with this. And what he said to me essentially was, you know, yes, I got a death threat. It wasn't credible. And this is nothing compared to my friends who are right now, 2018, 19, 20, 21 in Gaza, right? confronting terror, um, that's something else. So this was his way. So you don't have to, you know, 
become Herculean and do monumental things. You just got to get back to this. We, I do too. We got to get back to this idea of feel the fear and do it anyways. Absolutely. There's a, there's a great line uh, in a song by, I believe it's Zach Bryan, former uh, Navy. He is a current Navy veteran. He says, you know what? I've, I've ran into the fire many times and always felt afraid. And I think that's, that's a lesson for life. First of all, since we are recording this on Veterans Day, you know, thank you to all the veterans here in our country, but also worldwide who have who have made that decision to run into the fire, um, to to do what is right, but uh, to to conquer their fear and still be afraid. I think that's a lesson for all of us, not just military. I think we can all, as we talk about the power, the, the defiant power of the human spirit, the, that heroic journey of looking at the conditions in the world, recognizing it's not as right as it should be, being afraid of it, and then doing something about it. And, and coming back to Frankel and logotherapy, um, as I say, flip the script on fear, because it's not that, or even death, right, which to me is the ultimate fear. And um, I think I know we all have it. I don't buy for a second the guys who I talk to say, I'm not afraid of death. BS. Yeah, that's a form of denial. Everybody. And if you're not afraid of death and you're not living hard enough because you love people, you know, there's more I want to do. There's more I want to contribute. Self-transcendence. Right. So don't don't BS yourself. But the bottom line is, thank God for death. Thank God for fear. This is Frankel's point because it's the agitation. It's the tension, right? The tension that gets us to the clock is ticking. Go get it done. Go say what needs to be said. Do what needs to be done. If without that, there's no courage. There's no pressure to go make it happen. That's not just a bumper sticker. That is a front windshield sticker that every Jeep owner needs to put on their vehicle. If you're not afraid of death, you ain't living hard enough. I love that one, B. All That's right. Good. So it's more than a bumper sticker, but it's a beautiful thing to consider that. Yeah, we should all be afraid of what we have not accomplished yet. I actually talked to a gentleman this week, actually somebody struggling with some very intense forms of addiction who said, you know, I'm not afraid when I'm high, I'm not afraid of death. I said, uh, B, you already made it explicit, so I'll tell you what I truly said to him. I said, bullshit. I said, you might not be afraid of dying yourself, but you better be afraid of not showing up for those girls' wedding, for not being there for their first date, for their homecoming, for when they bring that man home and say, Daddy, I'm engaged. You better fear that. As a father, as a, as a husband, as somebody you know connected with other, other human beings, you may not fear death for yourself, but you should certainly fear those things you haven't accomplished for other people, those self-transcendent works that you have not yet to do. So there's this idea in um, Judaism that we remember all of the tyrants who tried to kill us, and that's a long list, names like a Hitler. And, and Jews will usually say Hitler, imach shemo in Hebrew, which means may his name be erased. And it's this weird sort of Zen koan, because if you're saying it, and we say it of, of, of ancient ones, like Haman was the Hitler of the biblical era, a, a Hitler of the biblical era who wanted to exterminate Jews. So we say thousands of years later, little Jewish kids say, Haman, Imach Shemo. And it's this weird thing where we're saying the name to keep it alive so that we can keep erasing it. So what's the point? The point is every time you say Hitler to a Jew, the fear comes up and it should come up. And we need to remember that fear, Imach Shemo, and we will eradicate the fear. We will eradicate the tyrants. We will eradicate the darkness. So it's this constant reminder using the fear, but not being used by the fear. And to me, that's the Frankel 
strain, to use it, right? To use the suffering, to use the fear, to use the darkness, to face it, to go down into it, but not to be used by it. That's beautiful. Not to use the fear and not be used by it. I love that. So let's take that a step uh, deeper or maybe shallower into everyday life. We're talking about fear of major world events, terrorist activity, uh, the, the likes of Hitler. But what about just daily anxiety be, you know, so many people out there, well, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. Worry is a, is a form, maybe a low grade fear. It, you know, definitely is present in the body. It gives you a little bit of adrenaline response. I mean, I would say the same is true for anybody struggling with just those daily anxieties of, oh my goodness, you know, what do I do with my job or what's going on with my family? Like use it, allow it to motivate you. That anxiety here we go. I'm about to get on the Dr. Dan soapbox. That anxiety does not require medication. Stop medicating the concerns of daily life and fix it. Do something about it. Use Take it. responsible action. Use it. Thank you, B. All right. I'm off my soapbox. Sorry. Oh, I like your soapbox. I have the same one. Um, so use it. Don't be used by it. Thank it. Right. Gratitude. Thank it. Thank you. Right. Sing the uh, the thunder song from the movie Ted. I won't sing it because we'll get kicked off the air. You, you, you remember that? F I do not. You're going to have to sing it for me, bud. Can't say there's too many dirty words. Ted was so good, but it's so inappropriate. As a total aside, I didn't know it was inappropriate. And I took my kid to it, whatever came out. And he was way too young. And I was like, oh, this is not. A <laughs> you took your child to see Ted. Oh, <laughs> we walked out. We walked out. We didn't last long, but the opening scene was enough. So I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention. Um, so, but it's it's use the fear. It's no, it's it's thank the fear, right? Because I just had this conversation with a man who's let's say he's fifty five. I I call this the afternoon of life, and I I work as you do too, and in our work together, uh, helping men as I call it, go from prince to king become a king. And he said, what does that mean? And I said, a king makes, he just stands his ground, right? Victor Frankl calls it the defiant stand. You just make your stand and you can't make a stand over things that are easy. That's not a stand, right? And his stand was he's dealing with his alcoholism and just make your stand and be afraid when you go into that bar that you're, you know, because his he's he has clients and he's got to go out into settings where he can't escape the alcohol, like it's there. And don't say you're not afraid of it, be afraid of it and make your stand and don't drink. And there's this king quality to that, right? And it just his his world sort of you could feel his energy shifting on that. Like, yeah, I am afraid, but I'm gonna make my stand because that's what a king, that's what a patriarch, that's what a man does. That's, that's so using your fear. I, I love that. And again, referring to the to the Netflix show, my wife and I are binging. We see that often in that show. But I think you you even summed it up better. That's what a man does, right? That is our calling is we live in difficult times. We live in a difficult world. Our duty is to stand up and thank our fear for motivating us to do what is right, to better ourselves, to better our family, to better our communities. And I, I just, I, I love that idea. Not Not just embrace the fear but thank it so so there's this old like t tale i don't know if it's true but it's true nonetheless um they were shipping tuna across oceans 
um, in, you know, cargo holds and they were getting to England or whatever they're shipping it to. And the, the tuna was dying at a higher, too high of a rate. They tried everything to try and keep the tuna alive on this journey. Finally, they introduced a shark into the tank and um, the tuna were all alive on the other side because the shark was the introduction of, you know, shattering the homeostasis, shattering the tensionless state, putting the fear into that tank, kept those fish swimming, healthier, moving. And so, you know, the shark, the fear, the whatever it is, isn't only our enemy, right? There's something in it that we can use and we got to use it. We can call it the catalyst. So for all of our tuna out there listening, what is the catalyst you need that you see in your life that you fear and, and are avoiding? Um, how do you conquer it, right? If, if we use that analogy that that shark is the catalyst that you don't want homeostasis, you don't want equilibrium, you want that tension to grow, to evolve, to become better, to break your comfort. What is that catalyst? What is your shark? And what are you going to do about it? I think it's a beautiful question. I, I want to get to one, something practical. I want to have you answer it. But first, one last anecdote, and this is really important. Israel consistently ranks as one of the top 10 happiest countries on earth. According mm -hmm. to all OECD ranked countries, they have almost no suicide, right? It's one of the, it's the second lowest, I think, suicide by Greece, maybe one of those. Um, I mean, they, they're off the charts with quality of life, way higher than the United States. The question is, you look at what's happening right there why now and you say, how is that possible? The shark, right? The shark is swimming and it causes them to live life fully. So it's easy to say, but this stuff is real. And I guess I want to bring it back to a practical. So Dan, I'll be the patient. You be the good doctor. I heard your podcast, right? I hear it. It makes sense in theory, but frankly, Dr. Dan, I think it's BS. It's so easy to say. It's so hard to do because I, there's nothing. I'm not going to thank my fear. I'm dealing with a particular fear right now. My my fear is I, I just got diagnosed to have uh, uh, potentially cancer. I'm waiting for the results. You telling me I'm supposed to thank my fear. That's ridiculous. I'm potentially facing a death threat. So with all due respect to your theory, thank you, but no thank you. Hmm. You come in like that. Thank you. But no, thank you. And I, I feel as though I'm not going to be able to change your mind. But let me offer you this. I'm, first of all, I'm sorry that you're you're dealing with this. But in a way, I, I really congratulate you on taking the first step and coming here and telling me I'm full of shit. I appreciate that. Let's talk about how full of shit I might be. So you have this diagnosis. You get to you and whoever are, is around you are about to get a lot closer because you've got a lot of appointments you've got to go to and you've got a lot of work you're about to do. And I hope to God that you have people around you that you can draw upon for strength because this is going to be tough. This is going to be a trial. And my hope for you is that you walk away and that diagnosis is false. Some doctor says, "Ooh, my bad, we don't have it. But if it is true and you have to go through treatment, you have to go through this work. Bring those people closer to you because we are wired for connection. And right now, my friend, you are going to need some connection. But I can't, I can't even think about my wife or my kids or my friends right now because I'm just like racked with fear. I have so much anxiety over this thing. And it's so I don't see how I thank it because it's actually keeping me from getting closer, like you suggest. 
So maybe you're not ready to thank it. Maybe you just need to start getting closer and talk about that fear. Share it with those that are closest to you. Share it with your wife. Share it with your kids. Share it with those around you. Share it with a good friend. Find you a good uh, uh, Dr. Rabbi B to talk to. Find you a running man to talk to. Or, you know what? You know, well, you already have a therapist. That's why you and I are talking. So I missed that one. But, you know, you know, bud, I get it. It's a scary time. But you better start getting closer to those people. And talking to them about that fear, because by releasing that fear, you unburden yourself, you take a little bit of burden off of you, and you disperse it and you share it so that everybody gets to carry the load. But again, my question to you, you want to ask me questions, tell me I'm full of shit, bring that to me. What are you going to do about it? You get to choose. You want to sit You want to sit in your room and, and close the blinds and, and just mutter in the dark about how terrible the world is? I get it. I might do that for a minute or two as well. You want to bathe yourself in alcohol and try to escape and avoid this? Yeah, been there. I can understand that. Or you can make a choice. You can start putting different things in your head. You can listen to the the, the Victor Frankel Meeting Academy podcast or your uh, Man's Search for Meaning and get some ideas about how other people have turned tragedy into triumph. You're, I'm sorry. You're not the first person to go to tra- go through tragedy in the history of humanity, and you won't be the last. And some people crumble by it, and some people choose to to take a heroic stance. You have to choose. Well, that's that's good advice. I'm sorry, um, but everything uh, everything you said makes sense. So I'm on board. Thank God for the Meaning Academy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, so B. All right, all right, all right. You want you want to play that game? Let's go, bro. So uh, B. What is your shark these days? What is the catalyst you need to face down? Oh, asking an Enneagram 8, the challenger to be vulnerable is like, B, don't be an eight hole. <laughs> I've taught you well, my my son. Um my shark is um my shark. F- honestly is living small i i you know ever mm-hmm. since i retired from a rabbi i've sort of hidden my voice i've, I've tried to keep it small you know working one-on-one it's amazing i love it and I, and I want to keep doing it but i feel like something happened in me october 7th where it just felt like i've been living too small like i've been afraid to share my voice i mean just sharing publicly I, I wasn't sure how much, or I'm still not sure how much to write on the subject because I'm not a rabbi, I'm not a synagogue rabbi. And my clients are lots of political views and lots of, you know, cultures. And I, I work with uh, a Muslim. I, I don't have any Palestinians, but I have a lot of people who are sympathetic to the cause. And so, you know, trying to navigate, you know, like what's my voice and what can I share and how do I step out of my comfort zone? Because I feel like for the past at least five, six, seven years, I've been in that homeostasis when it comes to speaking up and speaking out. In some ways, I feel like I've been hiding in the closet of some of these issues, and uh, I can't. You know that that was what happened for me on October seventh. Is I just can't. I can't live small anymore, and I'm afraid. You know, I'm afraid of dying and having lived too small of a life. And I can say from my perspective, uh, knowing you as I do, um, thank you for challenging your shark, for allowing it to catalyze. 
and to stepping out and, and living bigger because it has certainly helped me and educated me. And, and I've been able to share it with those close to me as well. And it's certainly helped them. So uh, thank you for thanking your fear. Well, thank you. And uh, maybe that's probably a good place to wrap up. Uh, I don't know. Any final, any final thoughts to the running man? Who's probably uh, the last one listening to this at this point. You know, I'm hoping the running man picked himself up off the ground in the grass where he is. And, and, you know, like after that compliment of my attire today, I'm not sure he was able to run. I hope so. Um, I, I hope he shares this with the little running men in his life. I know they get a kick out of this every once in a while. And, and, um, even share it to, to, you know, this is a great idea that, uh, you know, this is for any age. This isn't just for uh, grumpy old men without hair, like you and I, but, um, men, women, young adults, children, like this idea of learning to face your fear, to thank your fear, to allow it to motivate you to do amazing things and be your great example of that with the, the, the defiant stance you've taken in the past few weeks. Um, I respect and, and love you for that. Thank you. And I think I would challenge, you know, if you're still listening at this point and finishing your run or whatever it might be, you know, to 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 do what B and I just did. Identify your shark. What is your shark that you're trying to avoid to swim away from? And and how do you need to challenge it to maybe even thank it for helping you move forward in a, in a different direction? Yeah, and I'll just end with a, a plug for a book that we don't ever really talk about. I would not, this is, if anybody listening, it's uh, Victor Frankl's Say Yes, or not Say, it just says Yes to Life in Spite of Everything. Um, and I always leave out that last part. I just call it Yes to Life. But it's actually in spite of everything. And I think that that's, for me, a takeaway from today. And I hope for our listeners, there's always sharks out there. It's always, you know, uh, Admiral William Crow. In times like these, there have always been times like these. So, Saying yes to life is that um, act of courage and feeling the fear and doing it anyways. Um, I would I would recommend this book in audio form. I think some of his books are just fine written, but this one is much better. In my opinion, you feel the same way in audio? Absolutely. I, I started reading it and uh, it's, it's just not easily digestible in reading. You do have to go back quite often, but listening to it, it is... Uh, for me personally, I, I, I listened and then I went back and read and listened again because it is so powerful and there's so many uh, highlights in there to go back to. I think the reason it's easier to listen to is because it's a collection of his speeches um, rather than the written word. And it is beautiful. The foreword's beautiful. The, the work itself is just gorgeous. And it was only recently released. So I, I definitely recommend it. Yes to life. Yeah. So we've always pitch man search for me, but this is a good one on facing your fears and uh, moving through them, um, using them, not being used by them. And that's our hope and prayer for you. You go out into the world and you use those prayers or use those fears. You don't get used by them until our next podcast or video. We wish you. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're not wearing whoa. a cardigan. I got nothing left to say. I know, but I got plenty left to say because you know, B, you know what's coming up next week. Uh, you know, when I release this, it'll be a few days before you and I and our wonderful, lovely friend, the one that balances out these bald heads, the lovely Dr. Elise Cortez, the three of us will be talking about your search for meaning, the upcoming flagship course from the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy launching in January of 2024. So coming up soon, you can look at uh, any one of our individual websites, the uh, the Meaning Academy website, to find out more about the webinar, where we're going to be talking about the six-month course that we're going to be offering in your search for meaning, your personal search for meaning, led by myself, 
Dr. B, Dr. Elise on a weekly basis with ongoing support and education. It is, man, it is beautiful. We finally put this together. We're talking about it next week. Check it out at themeaningacademy.com. Um, if you got questions, contact either one of us, all of us. Uh, we cannot wait to bring this to you. Say yes to your search for meaning. And until then, live with meaning, purpose, and resilience. Take care. You've been listening to the Meaning Academy podcast with your hosts, Dr. Daniel Franz and Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you found meaning in what you've heard, please leave us a five-star review and be sure to share this with fellow meaning seekers. And don't forget to check us out at themeaningacademy.com where you can learn how to join our weekly virtual and complimentary meaning masterminds. Until the next time, get out there and live your purpose and discover your meaning.